Uh, last weekend, which was incredible, they just had a ton of people at the beach and people on the water and just being like baptized into Hurricane Hillary or, or Tropical Storm Hillary, which is really a wild morning. And, and the day before, the night before, I just remember spending so much time watching the Weather Channel, right? Like more than I ever have in, in a long time. But I grew up in a part of the country on the eastern seaboard in New Jersey where we spent a lot of time watch, watching the Weather Channel. Like uh, during hurricane season or winter storms, it was just, you were, you were glued to it. Uh, one, you want to see if there's waves coming. And two, you want to see if you're going to have to evacuate, which is something we had to do uh, fairly regularly. So if you're familiar with where I grew up, most of you probably are not, but it's a little place called Long Beach Island. It's on the outer, outer banks, outer barrier islands of, of New Jersey. So it's kind of you know, New York and Philadelphia, and across from there is this strip of sand where people build homes, and we call it Long Beach Island, and that's, this is where I grew up. There's a little red dot at the bottom. Uh, it looked kind of like this. It's a pretty cool place. Uh, back in the day when the first people came over, like, oh, sweet, there's this barrier island of sand to protect the mainland from massive storms. But as life goes on, people are like, oh, it'd be cool to live on the beach. So people moved out onto the beach and made, made the settlements on the beach, which is great until things like this happened, which you know happened uh, about once a year. And I was reminded of some of this through those of you who have any connection or spent time on the East Coast, you know, the Walters brought, brought this up about um, in South Carolina having hurricane parties, hurricane watch parties. Joe from Florida, he's here today, but spent a lot of time watching these hurricanes because they start spinning and you just get together with people and see what's going to happen. This is uh, my town. This is a few blocks where I grew up. It's uh, the market. There's Uncle Will's Pancake House. There's Buckaloo's Bar and Tavern on the corner. And this was not uncommon. Now, this wasn't every year, but it was more times than I can count. We'd have these, these massive floods. <laughs> You'd get on wetsuits and go paddleboarding on the, on the, down the streets. People would get, get boats. It was, it was pure chaos, but it was also our reality. And so it's funny, like watching this hurricane, spent all these days watching this hurricane, it just kind of reminded me of some of those times I spent growing up for so many years on the East Coast or in New Jersey. We spent a lot of time in North Carolina on the eastern uh, seaboard of the Carolinas. And it was just very central to your existence was like understanding hurricanes and their patterns and what they were going to do. And one of the things I thought about was that we, we never watched alone. We had hurricane parties. We'd, we'd hunger down and, and watch the Weather Channel for hours and hours on end. And Amy has spent some time with my family during these events, and just the Weather Channel's on all the time. We knew all the Weather Channel's people's names, and like, it, was just a, it was where we were invested. But we always did it together, and we literally had these parties. And we always thought about the neighbor. I remember this during times of, uh, of, of storm and, and, and peril and, and, and possible sort of tragedy. We were always thinking about the neighbor because there were small communities, and it pulled people together. So many times I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what's going to happen tonight? Is our house, you know, house secure? I'm just a kid, but I'm very aware of it. But my dad was a, was a jack of all trades and, and did contracting construction, and he was always on, on, uh, on watch to help people out. He'd be like, all right, old man, Miller needs help putting up plywood on, on his windows, and we'd, we'd go down to you know, Miller's house and put up plywood. It's like Dan's place down at the boat base and lost part of its roof. And you see the, the, the community, the neighborhood, you know, people put on their tool belts, you get some finished nails and a hammer, and, you, and you'd go do something. But you, you'd go to work. And I always saw this growing up, like the best Right? The best of people, you see the best of people in the worst of times. And it was a strong message. Now, we didn't get anything near that up here last weekend. Right? It just didn't, it didn't come to that. There are parts of the, maybe of the country and, and, and certain parts of, uh, of Baja that, that do experience these types of challenges. And, and we see them every year. Right? Some, something happens somewhere and we try to mobilize help. I mean, Maui's going through that now. And you're seeing community rally and you're seeing the struggle. There's something, something tragic about it. But, but there's also a beauty about that when seeing the community pop up. When everything's fine, 
you just don't see it as much. It, it, it's, people kind of go about their life, their, their, their day-to-day. There's not as much pulling us together. When these things come up or someone needs, some, needs a community, or you see it rise up and come together. And it creates these beautiful pictures. And I love seeing, you know, turn out the beach last Sunday because like, there's plenty of good reasons to not be there, right? And understandably so. If you're like, I don't feel like comfortable leaving the house or, or whatever, that's totally fine. But we live in a time too often where we are, our mode is toward self, right? Any of us, we're, we're, we're born that way. We have this mode toward, toward self. Uh, we live in a way like our life is so frantic, or we live our life so frantically. I don't believe life's frantic. We live it frantically. Or we put our head down, you, you go to work, you've you got to protect your space and your time and your stuff and your goals and your money, and you just try to think, how do I get to the next vacation and repeat? Right? Without really paying attention to one another. I just believe we're the best when we're together, when we're sharing life, when we're listening. And so often it's in those places we experience God, right, where we can feel God speaking. A couple weeks ago we talked about hearing God and how do we hear God's voice, and that's uh, through the text, and that's through creation, that's through the Holy Spirit. But we also hear God through one another, right, through the body, through the context of, of community. Try not discern God. It's, it's so nice to be around people doing that together, not being in isolation. Because hearing God can be tricky. Right? We talk about that, and if you're new to faith or new to God, like, I don't know what the voice of God, what am I looking for? A burning bush? Does it come out of the sky? How, how does this work? And some people talk about it so comfortable, like, oh, yeah, I just heard from God the other day. And you're like, how did you, you heard from God the other day? Like, how do I get on that, get on a call like that? And last weekend, you know, kind of prepping for this time at the beach was, it's a little crazy, right? I mean, again, I've never spent so much time on the weather app. And if some of you were following around as well, we're looking at, you know, when are we going to do the baptism? It's like, okay, we'll be there at 10. Okay, it says 30% chance at 11. Like, oh, no, now it says 30% chance at 9 and 20% at 10. And we're just like, I'm down there with Jorge that morning. We're like, it says it's raining. It's not raining. But, oh, what do we, you know, we see these clouds coming in there. It was just really wild. And there's plenty of people who, you know, said, be prudent to cancel. Because I get counsel. Not wrong, right? Not, not wrong. If, if we would have said, you know what, we're going to push it off. Uh, no one would be, would be complaining. But I kind of felt like, yeah, we should. I feel like we should go forward. And I, I didn't have 100% confident in that. Like, so when I hear from God, like, I have a sense that we should do it. Sometimes the voice of God takes the form, and often the form of my wife uh, is the voice of God in my life. So like, we got to do it. Like, okay, I, think we, I feel like we got to do it. But what that doesn't mean is hearing that, like, oh, I'm 100% confident it's not going to rain. I, I have a sense that, yeah, I think the right call is to keep pushing forward until we absolutely get shut, shut down. Right? We could have gone through it and say, hey, we're doing it no matter what, and it dumps rain, it's stormy, and, and we still technically do it, but it's not the same experience. It would have been hard for people to see. You had less people there. Some degree might have been unnecessary. And I'm leaving the house that morning, last Sunday morning, and I'm in beach clothes. I got sweats on and, and my um, you know, shorts and stuff to get in the water. But I'm also leaving the house with dress clothes in my arm, right? I've got a, this kind of stuff. I've got regular clothes in, in, in my arm. And Amy's like, what are you doing with all that, all that stuff? I'm like, well, if it doesn't work out at the beach, I have to be prepared to do church up here. And I'm walking to my car. She just yells after me, ye of little faith. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm acting in faith, right? I'm going to the beach, but I'm also prepared. Because sometimes that's, that's faith. That's also okay, right? Like, I can't control what happens, None of us can control what happens, but I can control my response to it. So we step out in faith doesn't mean we have to be recklessly abandoning everything else, preparations. Like, it's okay, right? It's the weather. I wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't feel like this was an attack of, of, of the enemy on us because of, you know, this 
this storm in our baptism day. And at the end of the day, it was a really special time if you were down there, right? It was, it was a beautiful experience. And one of the things that worked out down there, there was nobody on the beach. I mean, go figure. And that was one of my chief concerns going into a, a baptism around the summer. The beaches have been so crowded. Like, parking has been difficult. There's nobody there. Actually, there's one other group that came a little after us, and they're walking down from the parking lot. This is in Harbor Cove. And they have, like, guitars and yetis. I'm like, these people are either clueless about the hurricane or they're another church. Right? Turns out it was a church clueless about the hurricane. <laughs> yeah, but it was another church. This home church. They came down there doing baptism. Like, we're baptizing. We're, we're, we're cheering for people. They're down there doing the same thing. It was incredible. Right? It was this really amazing story. It was a time to see God and, and hear God through our communal life. Right? And this is not to come down on you if you couldn't make it. I, this is not what this is about. But it's just talking about the importance of that. Right? It pulled us together. A lot of that conversation, even of that storm, pulled people together. Right? We need one another to keep ourselves alert and sharp right? and listening. And I can hear God through you, and hopefully sometimes you can hear God through me, and we get together at men's group and, and women's dinners and Bible studies. Right? We look to the Word, we look to lesson to hear, hear God that way, but we also hear across, across like this. And that's incredible. That illuminates so much. Because it's hard to do it alone. And, and it's, it's arguably not safe to do it alone. There's a story I was thinking about this week. And uh, there's this Dallas, Will, Dallas Willard, Willard quote. They're, these are just great for days. So I'll leave it up there for a minute. But there's a story in Acts 20. And uh, you've probably heard this story. Maybe you've talked about it in Sunday school. Or it's been a while. But this is during one of Paul's missionary journeys. It's around Acts 20, verse 7. If you want to uh, follow, you can just listen or, or, or read along. And, and Paul is going through this, these different cities, and the Lord's leading in places to spend time with people, and he's planting churches, and he's raising up church leaders, and there's certain times that he'll start going somewhere, and that spirit kind of pushed him another way. So he ends up in this area called Troas, and he's on his way toward Macedonia. And it says, on the first day of the week, this is uh, Luke presumably writing. Luke is, uh, was traveling with Paul, is writing the book of Acts. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept talking until midnight. Right? So Paul's showing up. He spends time with people. He talks about Jesus. He's, he's basically planting churches. He is planting churches. And he's in this room, and, he, and he's talking and talking. He's leaving the next day, so he keeps talking. And in the Greek, the, the word for talking here, is, it's not preaching, it's more dialogue, where, where we get our English word for dialogue. So he's having this conversation with people. People are asking questions, they're making comments, and he goes, he's going on and on and on. And so he's talking until midnight. And there are many lamps in the upstairs room where they're meeting. So there's, you can picture this, probably a two-story you know, a room, maybe upstairs kind of roof room. There's all these lamps going on. And seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who is sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. This is a little, maybe a little dig from Luke. Like Paul, Luke's like, dude, wrap it up, Paul. He's sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself in the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So it's kind of this funny story, sort of a quirky story toward the end of Acts. Uh, you know, this young man's hanging out in this room. He's trying to be at this meeting, and, and he falls asleep and falls out a window, right? It's like, is that funny or tragic? It's okay because he got risen, risen from the dead or whatever, right? It's this wild little story. And what it is, though, is I found interesting when I think about this, this sort of mishap. Right? This is someone's, uh, uh, someone's mishap. This is something humans do. 
Uh, it's notori- we're notorious for it. I, this, I wouldn't say this is sin. Sometimes you get these really hard messages about, you know, falling asleep during the word of God, and that's, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't pay attention in church or Sunday school. I, it doesn't say that. Paul didn't seem to have that uh, understanding of it either. Well, this wasn't even a bad decision. This was just someone not being alert. This is someone who just got tired and, and, and fell out a window. This is also the story of someone who's close to the word of God because Paul's preaching the word of God. He's close to the word of God. He's in the room with the word of God. He's around people talking about the word of God, but he's just not quite close enough to to others. He's not close enough to to maybe a friend or a person, someone alongside of him. He's not close enough to someone who might say, dude, maybe come down from the window. Or a buddy to nudge you and say, hey, you know what? You just nodded off. Why don't you come down? Or someone say, hey, Eutychus, it's late. Go home. I'll fill you in tomorrow. It's this picture of someone who seems to kind of be spectating this, 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 this scene where Paul's engaging people, but he's kind of off by himself in some way, right? No one caught this, right? except for Luke, who seemed to be watching the whole thing and like maybe should have said something. I don't know. But this guy, he needed to hear God's voice. That's why he's there. That's why we're here. We need to hear God's voice. But guess what? He also needed to hear a voice from like a friend. He needed to hear the voice of someone else like, hey, dude, you're falling asleep. You're falling asleep. And we hear the voice of God from God, but we also hear the voice of God from others. It's so important through community. Right? That's why, we, that's why you, I implore you to not do it alone. Right? When we show up and we just kind of watch, and this is a life for, for many of us who have been in these seasons where it's like, I'm at the meeting, they're doing this stuff, but I'm kind of like, no one really knows if I'm there or not, and I'll just slip out the back window and no one will even notice. But this situation here, you see, yeah, you've got to be around people. And I think when we talk about why we, how we hear from God or, or, or why we hear from God or, you know, does God speak and why would he speak to me? It's because, why does God speak? Because he can and he wants to. That's why when we talk about God and maybe you're far from, far from God or far from faith or it's new to you, it's like, why would he even speak? Because he can and he wants to. God speaks because he can and he wants to. To anybody, anywhere. He speaks to people who don't believe in him all the time. He's fine with that. Last, last week or two weeks ago, we were talking about the ideas, how often, how many ways we can hear from God. And we can easily get in the mode of like, I don't know, how can I even hear from God? But there's a case to say, how can you not? I mean, he speaks through the text. He speaks through the spirit. He speaks through creation. He speaks through others. He's speaking. He's speaking throughout the universe. And if we look at the text, you see from beginning to end, starting in Genesis, he's speaking to people. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, enjoy the earth. All through the book, all the way to Revelation 22 at the end, Jesus says, come, let him who is thirsty come. Let one who wishes to take the free gift of of the water of life come. He's speaking out. And the New Testament paints this picture of community and and so much of our life at New, we'll get into this in coming weeks, we're going to kind of do a series on on, on New, who we are, but it's this this New Testament picture in Acts 2 about living together and there's a picture of community in the New Testament where, where the people began to not only hear from God through Scripture or through a prophet, but through one another. And through gifts such as prophecy, other languages, words of wisdom, knowledge, and so on. And often you'll see a story where somebody's worshiping or people are worshiping and they're fasting and then someone will say, the Holy Spirit said something. Or they're trying to resolve a dispute and, and, and someone will say, oh, oh, the Holy Spirit is, is speaking this. It seems good to the Holy Spirit. We go in this direction. Sometimes they're on a mission and and the Spirit didn't allow them to go. Someone heard, I don't think we're supposed to go this way. 
Ordinary people, not just the apostles, were beginning to speak on behalf of God. Right? They were having visions. And all this happens, and Peter talks about this in, in Pentecost. Right? This is this after Jesus has ascended. This is this outpouring of the Spirit on the new church where they're really going to be able to go out and be empowered. Right? He talks about in the last days you're going to be empowered by the Spirit. And the last days is just the time between the ascension where Jesus left and, and, and the return of Christ. Right? So it's this huge body of time. And God is speaking, so when the Spirit is poured out in this moment, everyone starts hearing from God. It wasn't locked into like one church leader. Right? This, is, this is some traditions have a, have a leader that speaks on behalf, and that's it. You can't, read the, you, know, you can't read the Bible yourself. This guy reads the Bible. You can't hear from God. This guy hears from God. This all changed at Pentecost. And the church is praying together, and, and, and God is speaking to them. And decisions have to be made, and, and God's speaking and the gift of the Spirit like, just completely changes how the early church operated. And I love this idea of prophecy. It sounds kind of mystical and, 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 and kind of scary. And if you're unfamiliar, it seems weird. But it's just, it's just, this, it's just a gift to hear from God and speak to, speak to others. And the writers of the New Testament talk about these gifts. We don't, you know, um, we, we believe they're happening today. We don't see them every, every week. Gifts of like healing, miracles, uh, speaking in tongues. There's people who are just called to be helpers and guidance. But there's this gift of prophecy. It says this in 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So all the gifts. If you could, if you could think of any gifts of the Spirit, eagerly desire them. But it says especially, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. For the one who prophesies speaks to people for this. This is why prophecy. Strengthening, encouraging, comfort. And of all the cool things in the text, we've seen the New Testament, like, oh, I want to be like a New Testament church, like, I'm going to walk on water, and people are raised from the dead, and the lame are walking, and the blind are seeing. Paul says, yeah, those are all good things, but yearn for prophecy, because that strengthens, encourages, and comforts people, one another. And he says, speak in love. Speak in love, right? He says, if you, Corinthians 13, if you have the gift of prophecy, you can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Speak to people for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And there's special outpourings when, the, when there's a special grace and a special moment, and a prophetic, prophetic word is very supernatural. But the sharing with one another, things strengthening, encouraging, comforting, like that doesn't have to be a special visitation by the Spirit. That's hardwired into us. There's been these experiments, kind of funny, I was reading about this week, maybe you've heard of them. That shows speaking kindly to plants helps them grow. Anyone ever heard that? Anyone do it? Like there's quite a few Mythbusters did it. Some of this stuff's a little bit inconclusive, but there's, there's evidence there. Speaking kindly to plants helps them grow. Right? If speaking kindly to plants helps them grow, imagine what that can do for other humans. And the journey, Journal of Physiology, uh, Anthropology, found that they, they looked in this study and they found that interacting like with indoor plants in that way, speaking kindly to them, reduces psychological and physiological stress in us, right? Suppresses, suppresses stress-related like, nervous system and reduces blood pressure, right? promotes, pr- promotes comfortable, soothing, and natural feelings, right? So it's as, as, as if we consider ourselves messengers of God's love, you and I, to speak comfort and strength and encouragement, and we bless others, we're also blessed ourselves. Again, this happens not in isolation. It can, Right? I mean, the plants only go so far as we engage one another. And we go back, oh, the worship team come up. We'll wrap up in a minute. As we, we go back to early Acts, 
kind of right in the beginning. The church is trying to figure things out. The leaders are trying to figure stuff out. And, and they're like, well, you know what? We don't have Judas anymore. Like, we should replace Judas because Judas was sort of a bad dude and he's not, no longer with us at this point. And they, and they said, well, we'll cast lot, lots. Right? We'll do this thing called casting lots to add somebody else in. And the practice of casting lots is mentioned around 70 times in the Old Testament and even like seven times in the New Testament. And we don't know much about the actual lots themselves, like what exactly they were. It could have been sticks of various lengths or like stones or some kind of, uh, of, some kind of coins, but it's basically like a kind of dice, right? Exact nature is unknown. The closest modern practice is probably like flipping a coin. They would say, let's flip a coin to see who gets to be on board. Let's flip a coin to see who gets Jesus' garments. Let's flip a coin to, get to see who gets to go into the temple. They would do this. And they say, hey, this is, we're leaving it up to chance, also known as God. So we, we did this casting of lots. And at the start of Acts, right, which is where the, the church is born and they're, and they're passionate and they're fired up, the start of Acts, they're, they're casting lots to make decisions. Like, we don't really know, but we're just going to do this and, and hope it works out. But we'll see as it goes on, after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit comes down, no one's casting lots anymore. Because rolling God's dice has been replaced by he, with hearing God's voice. And that is the access we have. Because some of us feel like we're just kind of rolling dice, we're just casting lots. I don't really know. I'm just going to take, take my chances and hope it works out. And God's gracious, and a lot of times it does. But the invitation is to have access to his voice. I don't know. Maybe you feel like, I don't know. I'm just kind of rolling. I'm rolling God's dice. I don't hear from God. I'm, I'm just take, doing my best I can. And here's how I would encourage you. If you can't hear from God, but you kind of believe there's something to that, find someone who can. Find someone who can. Be around people who can. And I'm not, you know, it's one of those things where like we get together in groups like, it's like, man, I'm trying to pray. I'm just not clear on this. Would you pray with me? Would you just be thinking about this? I have these decisions. We kick this around all the time in our threads. It's leaning on one another. Proverbs says this. This is this tremendous advice here somewhere in Proverbs. I can find it, but it says... Um, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. And in, in an English translation, English Standard Translation says this, where there's no guidance that people falls, but an abundance of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. There is safety in counselors. There is safety in abundance. There is safety in community. It will keep us from meeting those who are on the outside, looking in, falling out windows. This is, this is the point of it all. Right? We hear from God from God through text, through creation, through whispers, through our heart. We hear from God through others. So we're going to close out with song. Let's have a few moments just to reflect uh, as, as we go. God, thank you for this morning and your voice. Lord, I invite your voice right now to speak as we sing and listen. Uh, Lord, I pray especially for those who are desperate to hear your voice, God. Would, you, uh, would your grace come upon and speak through your Holy Spirit? Amen.